everyone and welcome to the Pet Accountant Podcast with me, your host, Vicky Clark. I'm going to help you get to grips with your finances, save you lots of money and take the stress out of doing your tax return. So let's get going. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to an early edition of uh, Wind Down Wednesday. Um, obviously, um, as most of you probably know, or um, maybe don't know, um, the autumn budget is currently in progress. So, as me and Lee are actually next to him, though I can touch him, <laughs> he is real, um, we thought we would do like an autumn budget special. Um, so, oh, I forgot. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Charlotte. Hang on, I forgot to tag everyone. That's oh, okay. my only job. One job. No, uh, one job. And to tell us about how these affect people. Yeah, the there is that important as well. <laughs> so don't worry, this obviously will be recorded and you can watch it on the group or on the podcast. Um, not everything has come out so far. So obviously we can only give you what we've heard to date. Uh, what we will do is if you're on our mailing list, um, is we will send you an email with like all the tax updates um, that will affect you and your business. So... Ones we've got so far, what's what's at the top of your list? Oh, I, I've got about the the national sure, uh, sorry the the national minimum wage change. Right, let's do that first because this is going to affect you if you've got staff. Yes. Oh, Jodie's on as well. Hello. Hi, Antigan. Van Tegan's on. While they're Why working. Working. Half <laughs> our staff are watching. Like, Why aren't you at work? You get an extra pound. <laughs> Extra pound and four pence. Um, but yes, go on. Tell us about the the wage. Right. So basically, from April, there is going to be quite a few changes with regards to the national minimum wage, and it affects every age. But the biggest jump is if you're twenty one and over. So basically, if you've got an apprentice, um, they could possibly be on as low as five pound twenty eight at the moment, but that's going to be increasing to six pound forty. Um, if you've got an uh, that's if you've got somebody under the age of 18, that's generally the same amounts for them as well. Now, if you're 18 to 20, it's going to rise from £7.49 up to £8.60 an hour. And like I said, if you're 21 and over, before we used to have a, a, a bracket of, of up to sort of 21 to 23 and then 23 and over, that's now been merged, which is why this is the biggest jump. So any member of staff that's 21 and over will now receive... Um, £11.44 an hour. Now, what that typically means is if somebody is on a salary and they're over the age of 21 and they're on 40 hours a week, their salary should be no less as an absolute minimum as of £23,796 a year. I rounded that off with the pennies just to make it easier, but but 23796 as a minimum on a salary. So the one thing that we would recommend you do is if you do have members of staff at the moment, um, check their ages just to make to see what they're going to be moving on to. But if they're salaried, make sure that their salary that they're currently receiving means that they will still have more than the national minimum wage for their age once it comes to April. If not, you need to renegotiate and change salaries to ensure that you meet at least the national minimum wage for that person's age. So that's quite a big... It is a big jump. That is quite bad for people who employ people. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 going to be very, very difficult for people yeah. to swallow. Um, I mean... Especially if you're a small business. Yeah. And to be fair, 
it doesn't even matter if you're a bigger business. I mean, let's let's talk about it. it, it, it a pound an hour for every single member of staff that, and, and you have, you know, 10, 20, 30 members of staff, even as a larger employer, that's a big, big increase. And and what's not been said anything about yet is the national insurance contributions that an employer has to pay. Yes, there's a £5,000 allowance that can offset the, the first 5000 of national insurance contributions. But if you're a director and you're a limited company, because you know some of you are sole traders, some of you are limited companies, and if you're a limited company, you're going to be on the payroll, um, you will eat into that allowance. And by increasing these people's wages, it means you're going to be pushed further and further into that £5,000 to the point at which you've exceeded it. And now as an employer, you're going to need to start paying these employer national insurance over, which is currently 12.8% um, in addition to what you pay your members of staff. So it's not just the money that they're going to receive. It's the money that you've got to find in addition to that money to pay them as 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 having them as a benefit as of an employee, basically. They haven't commented much on anything. They haven't said not yet. So again... We this is all trickling through at the moment, so we are reading it live as we're on air as well with you guys right now. And and if something comes through, we we will update you as it comes through. Um, there has been a, a mention about employees' national insurance having a, a cut to it. I believe that's been cut by two percent. I think was was what was just yeah. being flagged up. Um, so what that means for an employee is that they will pay less national insurance contributions and they'll pay 2% less national contributions. So they're going to get a little bit more in their pay in addition to the extra that they're going to get from the the rise in national minimum wage. Anyway. Basically, if you're employees... Yeah. Happy days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's... Self-employed. Yeah. There's, there has been some announcements for some self-employed bits and pieces, and we'll we'll move on to that shortly. Um, one of the other consultations that they've announced today is about pension reform. Um, not sure how I feel about it, because obviously we process a lot of payroll, but basically what they're going to consult on is giving employees the option of where an employer should pay their pension contributions into. So at the moment, 99% of clients use Nest and there's people pensions and there are others out there, but the majority of clients that we see that, you know, from the payroll side uses Nest. That's because at the moment, the legislation is it's the employer's decision of what pension scheme to use as long as it is a recognised um, automatic enrolment pension. Now, what the government are now saying is, is that we're going to give the employees the choice of where that money should be paid into, into the pension scheme. Now, can you imagine from an employer's perspective, if they run the payroll, even us as bureaus that, that run payroll, if an employee, and we ha- we have hundreds of, of people that we process payroll for, if each of those have a different pay- pension provider, how logistically are we meant to pay and upload all of those individual pension contributions to the individual pension providers Mm -hmm. every time we run payroll. It's going to be an absolute nightmare. And there's obviously a lot of thought that's gone into this from the government side, but on the practicality side, I don't think they've thought this through. And, you know, if your employee then decides that they want to change pension providers, what then? How do you update your side to, to follow suit with that? And how do you keep track of who's in what pension scheme? So there's going to be a lot of things to to think about and to, to really follow with that consultation. At the moment, they haven't announced it. It's not a change, but they are taking advice on it because it is something that Jeremy Hunt wanted to 
investigate further. For the fact that he's, men- he's mentioned it's it. mentioned it, then- yes. Yeah, so it's something that we should really keep an eye on. So if you are an employer, it's one that um, to, to keep, you know, in the back of your mind. that they've If you're doing your own payroll. Well. Yeah, that's again. Or, you again. know, if you get accountants to do payroll, like we do payroll, and like they said, we've got hundreds and hundreds of, of payrolls that we do. If each of those individuals is going to have a separate pension scheme, that's going to take a lot more time to do. Therefore, our prices are going to go back up. Yeah. So it's kind of like it has a knock-on effect that they probably don't think about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have got a question from Already. Jackie. So I'm doing this because <laughs> I've got a massive microphone in front of the screen. Uh, will abolishing class two affect state pension for the self-employed? Right. That's okay. So that's what we thought when we as well. Yes. Yeah, so the the first thing we, me and Vicky were sat in the pub when that was first announced, which is odd for us because we don't drink. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So the first thing that jumped into my mind is how on earth are they now going to? police and look at who's paid what contributions for the state pension because you're absolutely right your class twos go towards your pension contribution whereas your class four national insurances help towards running the economy the nhs and other bits and pieces along those lines there has been no clarity (laughs) on how they're going to monitor that now or whether or not just everybody will get a state pension although it seems very unfair to have blanket policy that because some people would have contributed an awful lot more. And, you know, for those that you've worked and you've, you've claimed your 30 years, qualifying years, and you've paid into the system, um, it, for somebody that hasn't got all of those contributions, why should they then have the full state pension? Now, it's that seems like a very unfair statement in terms because somebody could struggle because, let's face it, the state pension isn't very much to begin with anyway. Um they did announce that that was going up uh, and it was increasing by something percent off the top of my head. Um, so people will get a little bit more from there. But again, I think at the moment we're having these announcements, but there might be a sting in the tail when the details come out with how they're going to be implemented and what they're going to be followed up with. But saying that, there also has been a cut to national insurance. So what does this mean? So self-employed person, at the moment, you pay national insurance contributions of 9% on any of your profits over £12,570. From April, you will save an extra 1%, so you'll now pay 8% on all profits over the £12,570, but you also no longer have to pay your Class 2 national insurance, which is equivalent to around about £179.40 for the year. They do round it up slightly, so you might see there's £183 as well because of the number of weeks. It basically works out to £3.15 a week, I think it is. Just as a side note on here, so yeah. just getting it coming Regarding the, the class two scrapping that is put access to entitlements and credits will be maintained in full and those who choose to pay voluntarily will still be able to do so. But why would you want to pay voluntarily if because what they could be saying there, and again I could be reading into this wrong, but my, my interpretation of that is going forward they're gonna give you the credit, but if you're missing those from the past, they're not gonna automatically give you the your past missed ones. Right. So okay. people may want to top, top up, up to make sure they do have the 30 years qualifying. Because obviously 
I don't know, there's a lot of people at the beginning of the year when they were doing their self-assessments that wondered why they didn't have to pay national insurance and that's because they're giving you credits if your profit is between something like 6,900 and 11,800 or something along those lines. Yeah, so maybe that's the tester and that's why when you do your tax return, it'll say you've been given credits or it's it's already been paid for. So yeah, it's a bit weird. If you'd scrap it, how are you going to get your pension? Well, this is it. So it looks like they're just going to blanket everybody if you're in work or if you're self-employed and regardless of what your profits are now they're just going to give it to you um however so what does that real what what does it equate to in real terms so i've done a quick calculation based on a profit earning of thirty thousand pounds so in before all the changes thirty thousand pounds would have meant you would have paid taxes and national insurance of five thousand two hundred and thirty four pounds and ten pence after the changes, with the reduction in the national insurance contributions, um, on £30,000, you will now pay £4,880.40. That's a saving of £353.70 based on £30,000 of profit a year. So not a great deal when you break it down on a month-by-month basis, but I suppose it's better than putting taxes up and having to pay a little bit more. Um, I think the real key here, and I think it's always been, is getting yourself a good accountant that knows what expenses that you can claim because the biggest tax savings that you're going to have is claiming the right expenses in the right way to reduce that taxable profit. And that's when the government savings will come in a little bit more because you're going to be paying less tax on the, the, the profit levels that, that we can get you down to. Um, so ultimately, you're saving on, on both sides. Was there something on... Um Plant the machinery. Yeah, it. The the government did announce as well. Um, basically, I think they called it cash, um, cash expensing or expensing machinery uh, for plant and machinery claims. Now, it 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 really doesn't affect many small businesses at all. So, just to recap it slightly, previously you claimed annual investment allowance where companies were allowed up to a million pounds where they could buy plant and machinery equipment. Now, when I say plant and machinery, I don't mean diggers and, and tractors. Plant and machinery is basically anything that you use within your business that enables you to carry out your trade. So in the terms of our audience, uh, plant and machinery would be um, your baths, your tables, your, uh, your blasters, um, those types of things. If you're a dog walker, it could be crates in the back of the van, for argument's sake. Um, and technically, the van could also be classed as plant and machinery, not a car. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not being rude, by the way. I'm just looking for updates. If you're wondering why I'm just <laughs> ignoring Lee, I'm just making sure there's nothing else that pops up. So that that change with regards to expensing now the assets, what that basically means is that if you spent more than a million pounds previously, you couldn't have any more relief than the million pounds that you've spent. Now what they're saying is, do you know what? Go ahead, fill your boots, spend more than a million, and we're going to give you the tax relief on there. Let's be realistic. A lot of the businesses out there in the UK are not going to be spending that sort of money. It's not going to make a real change to to the smaller businesses. Um, so it's yeah, it's one of those ones that it's for the the larger the larger the ones that get six millions of pounds yeah. worth of salary. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> um. There's nothing else really come out other than the class two. Yeah. Um, obviously, employ people's national insurance is going down as well. 
Yeah. So to employ people's national insurance, they previously employees used to pay 12% national insurance. That's going down 2% and it's going down to 10%. Yeah. So again, if you're an employee, happy days, employer, there's not, there's not alcohol duty free. Yeah. My booze isn't going up. <laughs> Cigarettes. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, the business rates, but that doesn't affect any of you guys. Yeah, and then you know this is this is this is live. We are getting these feeds as they come in through. They are starting to slow down a little bit now. Um, and what I we're going to no, that's it. Nice. I think what we're going to tend to find is that details of how things are going to trickle through the system will come out over the next couple of weeks. Um, for instance, how are they going to update payroll systems to take effect of the national insurance changes? What happens to people's pensions? What happens to people's pensions? How will they monitor it? How will they police it? So these are types of things that will come through in, in the coming weeks. And again, we'll pick back up on them. Um, you know, we'll pick up on them on, on our lives that we do. Um, so that as we find out about them, we'll obviously try and break them down and and and, and make them as easy and understandable as they are, because some of the stuff that they're gonna come out with will just be mind-numbingly boring yeah. and complex. A lot of it don't, way, it's just, you know what I mean? Oh, we've hit 6,000 members. Yay! <laughs> Probably just fun to do. Um, if you've got any questions, guys, whilst we're here, then please pop them in the comments. Uh, if anything that you're unsure of or you want any clarification of what we've gone through, then, then just let us know in the comments uh, and we'll answer it. I'm just going to go through whilst we're here. Um, any questions that have been popped on the group um, that we may have missed or might help. Um, paying your tax bill, that, that's come up quite a bit. Um, if you can't pay a tax bill, basically. Right, okay. HMRC will allow you to pay an instalment. Yes. But I think, is it done on a case-by-case case basis? It, it is. So it's a time-to-pay arrangement that you need to speak to them about. It can only be implemented once you've submitted your, your tax return. And I would highly recommend that you contact them before the deadline yeah. for making the payment in on the 31st of January because they are more amenable to setting something up now then once it's overdue, you'll accrue fines and, and interest. So a lot of this can be stopped and paused and they're more likely to work with you if you have that conversation with them before the deadline. Now, what I would say is you are about to enter one of their busiest periods and wait times on the phone is going to be long. 8 a.m., best time to call I've always found. Um, however, this person is anonymous. I've just called HMRC uh, and they've basically told this person to wait until February once it's late and then call them to set it up. No, definitely not. I've just called HMRC to see if I can increase my monthly payments to account for new bill and they said you can only pay in installments once, once and then they want in full. I told him I can't do that and he wasn't helpful at all and said to call back in February to discuss once it's late. So what they're saying there is basically <laughs> the problem is is that different advisors at, diff at HMRC will advise you different things. If you don't get anywhere with the first person that you speak to, hang up and call back. It, it, it really is the luck of the draw when it comes to getting somebody that's A, knowledgeable and two that's, that wants to help. They are few and far between, and there is some gems that work at HMRC that will be able to help. 
Um, there are some ogres as well, I'm not going to lie. Even <laughs> we get them and it's just like, you know what, I'm going to take the risk of handing up and ringing back. Um, we, we, as agents, we do have what's called a dedicated agent line, but unfortunately it just gets mixed into the same line as everybody else. Um, I don't think it gets answered any quicker. Um, <laughs> no. But it, it allows us to get through security. But again, if if it's as accountants and it's not just us, if we haven't got your permission and something in writing to say that we can act for you when we ring HMRC, unfortunately, we can't make those calls on your behalf. And when it comes to the, the, the time to pay arrangements, you have to make those phone calls yourselves because they're going to ask you about your income, your outgoings, and it's an agreement that they have with you in person. So your, your accountant can't make those on your behalf. Fabulous. Someone's put, um, can I ask about travel costs? My base is home where I do admin, etc. I travel to clients to do free meet and greets, pet sits and dog walking. Can I claim the bus fares and expenses? Right, okay. So in, in the, the nutshell of that one, the answer is yes, but <laughs> if you go to a regular place and that regular place is expected to be regular and it will last more than 24 months, then that also becomes your regular place of work. And commuting between point A and point B to your regular place of work is not an allowable expense. Now, point A to point B could be that you work from home, but you take, but you go to a field and that's where you take your dogs. And the dogs are from home and you take them to the field. That then becomes a non-allowable expense because it's commuting. If you go to multiple houses on different days of the week and you know that you don't expect to walk that dog that day for, for longer than 24 months, um, then every time that you have to use your vehicle to go and collect a dog, to go and do a meet and greet, to do a, a house sit, all that would be an allowable travel expense because you're not expected to work at that location in excess of 24 months. And it, it's that temporary place of work that makes the expense allowable or disallowable. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, right, like I said, any questions about the group, you've got us here. So um, use this to your full advantage. You know, we do charge for these normally um, if you just wanted to ring up and ask for advice, but we, we do these for free. So um, any questions, then please just pop them in the comments. Uh, Emma Ball um, you're not going to like this one. Okay. Um, because it's quite complicated to explain. <laughs> um, can I amend my... I can amend... Hang on. I can amend my expenses as is on the tax return. Yeah. But because I didn't do a detailed breakdown, just a single total value, I assume I just add my loan repayments from December to April, not the whole 5K loan. So I got a loan for my van in December last year and didn't realise I could claim it back. So I didn't on this year's tax return, 22-23. How do I go about declaring it on next year's? Can I declare it on next year's even though I've been paying it off for a year? Right, okay. So there's a couple of things that's wrong there. Yeah. The first thing that's wrong is that you didn't put the van on last year's tax return and you didn't declare the, the loan in last year's tax return. So my first bit of advice is resubmit last year's tax return and go on back and add the, the van in and add the loan in at the same time as well. Now, when you say last year, you mean at 22, 23? Because that's when she's bought it. She just didn't put it in. Yes, but if 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 she submitted it, yeah. she has to go back and resubmit it. But it, she needs to go back to the point at which she bought the van uh, in, in, in that tax year because it's not the loan that we're dealing with. 
the loan is kind of irrelevant to the fact that you've bought a van and it's the van purchase that needs to go into the accounts. You use the loan to fund the purchase of the van and the only allowable expense of the loan is the loan interest. But in order for you to claim the loan interest, you have to show in your accounts the fact that you are repaying a loan. Now, the loan interest is not an expense, so it will not reduce your tax liability apart from the loan interest, which will have an effect. The purchase of the van in full, which is why I'm saying go back and resubmit the year that you bought the van, will allow you to either to lower your profits in that year to claim the full allowance of the van. You can add the van back into this year, but it must be on the, on the uh, you must add it to your balance sheet. And this is where it gets technical. It You'll need to, when you're filling in your tax return, you have to add it to the, to the um, 18% rate pool on the capital allowances section of your tax return. And this is where everyone... Yeah. Like, again. Lauren's laughing. So Lorna Buki was sat laughing with us <laughs> because this is where it gets technical. And this is where an accountant can save you a lot of money because we get a lot of times when people have bought vans and either not accounted for them properly in their tax return or not accounted for them at all and put the loan in. Yeah. And actually, that could make a difference between you having thousands of pounds worth of tax to pay or nothing. You know, if you don't do it properly, it will cost you money. So, Emma, um, it might be worth, look, we did um, a podcast about capital allowances and things like that and vans. It might be worth you going back and listening to that. Um, but as they said, you need to put the van in in some way, shape or form in your 22-23 tax return. Um, and that will save you a lot of money if you do it properly. So... Uh, but let us know if you want to give us a shout or revisit that podcast. Um, Sophia, we spoke before about your account services, but I got so confused by the Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> Is there any way to any other way to go about it? Do you mean this the spreadsheet that we sent you, Sophia, or just a, a spreadsheet using in general? Um, if you want to give us a shout, uh, our telephone number is on the banner on this group at the top. Um, so you're better off just giving us a shout so we can speak to you rather than going through um, emails and things like that because it gets lost in translation. So yeah. give the number a ring and speak to Tegan um, and she will talk you through it properly. Um, Samantha Jones put, oh no, glad we have you guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite hard for us to explain the van situation without going into like, technical accountancy stuff and that's when everyone switches off um, but basically in a nutshell you need to put your van in and it's nothing to do with the loan in a very very simplified format um, but that will make a difference if you've bought a van that is going to make a massive difference to your tax bill depending on how you've done it um, so if you have then you just need to let us know uh, I thought of you guys as soon as I heard about the home budget statement yeah <laughs> we're on the ball today we were in the pub yeah, I was going to say, we were on the pace and now we're on roll. <laughs> we had we had a call. We were having a very informative business meeting um, with someone, which we're not going to mention names because it might be things that we can offer you guys for the group uh, later on down the line. But yes, we were at the pub. Um, yes, the one you sent over, I'll give you a call. Yeah, Sophia, give Tegan a call and she'll explain it. It's very, very easy to use. It's just a case of listing your income and your expenses and that's it. Um 
that Jody is our payroll manager. So if anyone has any payroll questions, if they've got staff and they're a bit confused, then please um, give us a ring on that number that's on the banner and ask for Jody. Um, and if we want any HR advice, then we do have an HR specialist that we work with as well. Um, so we can we can point you in her direction. Um, right. So that was a good one. Emma needs to contact us. Um, oh, don't need that one. We're just looking for a gap filler now. I don't know what you're saying. I'm just going, I mean, find something. Uh, partnership. <laughs> this is a good question, actually. If you are a partnership and you're doing your own partnership return, yeah. how do they do it if you're not using an accountant? Oh, you pray. <laughs> not as if, like, how do you fill it in, but how do you actually, because obviously we've got, so we have specific yeah. software that can submit partnership tax returns as an if you're doing it yourself, yeah. how do you submit it? You have to buy software. There's no, no two ways about it. You have to buy software. Um, HRC currently doesn't have a platform in which you can submit a partnership return. Um, it's called an SA800, and you you have to be able to submit that through commercial software. There are some out there. There are some cheap ones out there. I haven't used them personally, but I did notice that they were mentioned in the group once that question was asked. Um, but... Again, it goes back down to filling in your your self-assessments. Partnerships are a little bit of a different beast because <laughs> you've got partnership appropriation accounts, um, which is basically the split of the profits between each of the individual partners. Um, if you've lent the partnership some money to get it started, there are certain things that accountants can do to... You know, maybe you wanted to charge your partnership some interest on the money that you've you've lent, so you can take out a little bit more money than your other partner. Certainly, if you're on a lower income or they have another job, um, and you can afford to take that extra money out because you've got a little bit more of your personal tax band left. Um, so, accountants can play with the partnership accounts in terms of maximising the tax efficiencies through legitimate means, but you need to be able to use these softwares and know what you're filling in to make sure that you get those right because those figures that goes on the partnership return then need to be transferred onto your individual self-assessments and each partner must have that part of their self-assessment completed. Now, if you forget to file a partnership return by accident or on purpose, <laughs> each partner will be fined £100 for the late filing of the partnership returns. If you have three or four partners, that's 400 quid. So it's really, really worth getting it right, making sure it's submitted and getting your submission receipt as well from the software. Make sure that once you've sent it, the software gives you the submission receipt. You've got the email to say that it's been submitted and then check your tax account to make sure that HRC has received it. Because if you need to appeal anything, they're gonna ask for all of those things. So very funny one. Right, okay. <laughs> Which I misread initially from Natalia saying, I have to tell you something funny. I thought she said I was listening to your podcast in the car and fell asleep. <laughs> so I was more concerned that she was in the car and fell asleep. But actually, she was listening to our car and van right. test and <laughs> fell asleep, which is equally as funny. Um, yes, Natalia, it's not a very exciting topic. Um, which is why we try and make it as fun as possible so that and easy to digest so that you actually take in the information and don't fall asleep. And um, if you do have sleep problems, and please listen to our podcast uh, <laughs> when you go to sleep, it may well help. And then let us know because we'll be interested. But yes, that is quite funny. Um, 
Again, Sophia, listen to that podcast that may well send you to sleep on car and van and what you can claim for. It's not necessarily the finance payments, which is why what people tend to do. Um, Rachel's put, can you help me out with copyright? I've noticed there was another business using my name. I've trademarked my business, so where do I stand? That's the solicitor job. You need to take your trademark to a solicitor. Um, if they believe that the other company is in infringement of your copyright, they will then send a cease and desist letter, I believe, uh, and then you'll be able to take things from there. But that is very, very much a a legal route, and your next step should be contacting the solicitor to try and get that resolved. We've always had a lot of emails and messages about pensions and, and can we recommend any pensions and things like that? We're not legally allowed to do that. Um, That's more of a financial advisor type role, which we have in the group called Laura Shufflebotham, fabulous surname. So if you look up Laura on the group, um, a lot of clients have used it. I've used it personally. We've used it as a business um, and she's had really great feedback. So if you are looking for pensions, um, then please just look up Laura and give her a shout because she's brilliant. Um, Chloe, with regards to the trademark, um, I can help with the trademark. I had to do this myself. All right, there you go. Rachel, if you speak to Chloe, she's done this. Um, and, you know, that's why trademark sometimes is really good. Like we've trademarked things because some people out there steal it. Uh, and it's very... Biggest form of flattery. Well, that is true. You obviously picked a good name, Rich. There you go. Um, my favourite one, uh, which everyone knows really annoys me, um, a bit of a comment and then at the end, also unsure if and when I would need an accountant to look after the books and new, a new business. And someone commented, which I'll not mention any names, <laughs> although they're on here. I never use an accountant. It's very easy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now... <laughs> Those of you who know me from listening to my many podcasts and meeting me in person, that's one surefire way of getting yourself banned from the group. And I had to really refrain from banning this person from the group for saying it because it really boils my piss. I honestly, it's not easy. It's e Well, no, I take that back. It's easy to get a form and just put some figures in a box. That is easy. But what isn't easy is the 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 thought behind it and the knowledge behind it and the knowledge of whether you're doing it correctly or not. Yeah. My advice will always be, if you don't know what you're doing, get so, it doesn't have to be us, get someone to fill it in for you, especially when you're just starting out. Like that person with the van, that could be the difference between her paying a three grand tax bill and, and, and nothing. You know, it's not easy. It's easy just to pick figures out of thin air and put them in a box. But how do you know what you're putting in that box is correct? Yeah. I could go and I could go and groom a dog. I could get Mabel, my white-haired dashhound, and shave her with, to the, with the disbelief of people over there that um, <laughs> hand strip. I could go and shave her and go. Well, that was good. That was easy. Why are these groomers costing me a hundred pound to hand strip Mabel when I can just pluck her or shave her off myself? <laughs> it's easy, <laughs> honestly. But yes, please. I haven't banned it, but I'm very close. <laughs> it's not easy. Please, please, please. Look, honestly, if you don't know what you're doing, please get help. Honestly, it'd be the difference between you paying thousands of pounds yeah. and zero. You know, not doesn't happen all the time, but nine times out of ten, we will save you money. Yeah. And not only that, 
give you advice on how to make money. I think the important thing here as well is your first year in business is the most important time to get an accountant because it is the it is the only year where we can look at expenses that you've spent up to seven years in the past to get in ready to start the business. If you don't claim them in the year in your first year, then you lose the ability to claim them. So by getting an accountant at that stage, we can either choose then to offset the, if you make a loss, which most people do in their mm-hmm. first year. If you make a loss, we can choose to offset that against the tax that you've paid through employed job, uh, or we can roll the loss forward into year two. So in year two, you'll also pay less tax. Mm-hmm. So if it is your first year, please, please reach out to an accountant because it is one of the best years to to for, to allow us to maximise your tax savings. And we understand that as well, on, on, a, on a caveat to that, that not everyone can afford an accountant and, and we get that. And that's why we built that um, course, the new uh, Business Essentials course, and why we sell it so cheaply at £99. You know, is and that is full of stuff that if you're just starting out and you can't afford an accountant, that that will set will send you in the right direction so that you don't get fines and you do claim stuff that you should be claiming for, i.e. your vans and things like that. So, please, 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 you know, we train, we we train for years, and it's ongoing as well. You know, we've got to follow all these boring budgets, um, to make sure that we're giving you the right advice and that we're doing things right in people's tax returns. If we didn't, well, you know, we, we would just be putting figures in, in thin air into a box. So please, please don't write in the comments, it's easy, because I will die. <laughs> I think I think it's really difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, like like groomers and other, and other you know, I've just read that myself, yeah. Sam's just put, just fell listening to this covered myself and dog shit. Can I claim for for wine plasters and chocolates? So one person we managed to fall asleep. The other one has tripped and fell and cracked. <laughs> We're doing well. Anyone else? Anyone else drunk? That'll be the next one. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, as CPD. Um, so after we finished our training, like you guys, we have to do... Um, continued professional development, which is ensuring that our knowledge is maintained and up to date. And unfortunately, I got selected at random the other month to submit my CPD to our licensing body. Um, I passed, luckily. <laughs> so we did a license. Did we have any doubt, guys? Did we have any doubt? It's like an encyclopedia of useful crack. <laughs> a one day will come in useful. One day it will. So I think, you know, it's, it's really important that a good accountant will, and certainly a licensed accountant, the term isn't protected. So any any bookkeeper, any licensed, or I'm sorry, any bookkeeper or any accountant can call themselves a bookkeeper, can call themselves an accountant, and it's not a protected term. So if you are going to like people, dog groomer. like, yeah, like dog groomer. So if you are going to somebody and asking them for help with your financials, ask for their qualifications. Ask them, are they licensed? Who do they have to report to? What standards do they have to keep? Uh, and it's important because they're, they're playing with your money. They're playing with your money, yeah. And you're handing over your financial data, your bank statements. Um, you know, you, you basically, you're handing them your personal life in a package and going, there you go. And mm-hmm. 
if you haven't done your due diligence on them, how do you know the advice that you're getting is correct and what's going to happen with your data? Now, we as an accountancy firm have loads of policies and procedures in place, loads of technology uh, in order to keep your data safe, to keep audit logs of email so that we can see what's coming backwards and forwards. Um, you know, if we've got new staff that come and go when it happens, we've got things in place that can see well that last member of staff sent to you guys so we can pick back up from them. It's really important that the accountants that you go to, and a lot of people that we speak to are saying either my accountant's retiring um, or they've died and they've just not had any contact and they've got my stuff. I can't get it back. I, I don't know what to do. Um, I, some of them, are, you know, some of your clients come to us and say, well, my accountant just doesn't respond to us whatsoever. Mm. Uh, and, and for me, that's that's really frustrating for an accountant. They died. Well, I suppose, yeah, you could do a Ouija board. <laughs> Is my can't blame done? Yeah, how much do I need? Yeah, well, um, when's it due? Hang on, never. Um, which yes, it would be a little excuse to hear from us. A reasonable excuse if your accountant died, but um, but just I was slightly gone off tangent. Is that a lot of people? And again, that's a good thing. They don't change accountant once you've got them. They either retire or die because you don't go anywhere else. It's the same as dentists. Once you've found a good dentist, people stick with that dentist and they don't change for their whole life. And the only reason we get clients coming from another accountant is either because the communication has been crap or they haven't advised them properly or they, they've charged them an extortionate amount of money. We've had loads of people that have come to us saying, oh, um, I was told to go limited um, and, and I don't really know what I'm doing and now I've got fines. And when we actually delve into it, they don't need to go limited. Go to sole trader. Not The answer isn't go limited all the time. You know, you've got insurances to protect your assets. You know, unless you're going to wave your scissors around and actually stab someone and kill them, like which is a possibility. Is a possibility they, they annoy you enough. They annoy you, but realistically, you ain't going to kill anyone. You know, use the insurances that are out there. You don't always need to jump to the limited company. And again, some people could be a partnership. You know, there is other options other than jumping for a limited company. Yeah. Some accountants might like persuade you to be a limited company because they get more money. Yeah. We do the opposite. You know, we'll say to you, no, 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 you don't need to do that. So traders are a lot cheaper and actually there's better for you. And unfortunately, there are dodgy accountants out there. I've had a few dealings with with our clients now that have had really, really dodgy ones. And it's because you don't do your due diligence or, you know, oh, so-and-so went to that one, so I just went to that one. You know, we put all of our licensing numbers and fat numbers and, and everything and all our stuff, and you can go and stalk us as much as you want. You know, we are licensed, but there's some out there that aren't. So you just please make sure if you, if you don't want to come to us because you don't like our style or how we are, that's absolutely fine. You know, we're not everyone's cup of tea. Um, you know, make sure you do some research and, and make sure that they are legit um, and you, that you're ma making the most about them as well. Yeah. Because people will just see accountants as, oh, well, Vicky just does my self-assessment every year. I give her my numbers and that's it. And then I see comments on all of the Facebook groups, which I'm in, and it'll be like, oh, um, questions about the finances or something. And I go... Why didn't you speak to me? Oh, well, I didn't want to bother you or I didn't know that you could help with this. We deal with your finances 
we are the best people to speak to if you're looking to make more money, yeah. to review your prices, to look at what you're spending. You know, is it worth going limited or staying sole trader? Is it worth being a partnership if my partner doesn't work? Um, what do I do with my marketing? How do I get more clients? You know, what's my projected forecast for the next 12 months? Who do you think's better place to do that than the accountant that sees your figures every year or every month or every quarter? Use us. That is what we're there for. We're not just here to fill in a form. <laughs> the easy form. The easy, not the easy. here just to fill in the easy form every 12 months and then not speak to you again. Although some people do like that and that's fine. If you want advice on where to go with your business or what to do with your prices or anything to do with your business, then that is what your accountant is also there for. So please, please, please use us if you need it. Okay, don't go and and employ five other different people to give you the information that you pay us to do in the first place. So just as a FYI, we do do other things than fill in that very easy form. Um, and just send it to HMRC and, then and all for the best. <laughs> or, you know, accountants <laughs> buy Ouija boards, which I feel is a niche. Um, if anyone's, what was it? Is it a clairvoyant? It's yeah, it is. Dead yeah. people. Yeah. Um, but yes, we've digressed a lot into death and alcoholism. But um, yes, if there's any other updates um, on the budget, <laughs> I will go back to our original topic. Um, then we will update you in the group. We'll put some comments on there. Um, if you are on our mailing list and you get our bi-monthly, is it bi-monthly or bi-weekly? Bi-monthly, otherwise bi-weekly is twice a week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bi-monthly bi email, then we will put it in the email as well. We do have some uh, sales coming up, uh, Black Friday sales coming up, um, I think tomorrow might be getting released. Um, so if you want anything from us and keep an eye on that because we've got lots of discounts floating around we do have discounts on the well not a discount but um, a package deal on bookkeeping if that's something that you're thinking about so just let us know um, but we will keep you up to date Sam I hope you manage to get a shower before you do anything else uh, Natalie I hope we don't send you to sleep um, what was that someone put oh I have another question I miss it uh, I only use my car for driving to walks maybe twice a month to go to the shop, but I bought it for transporting the dogs. Am I able to claim my monthly finance payments? So, well, the problem that you've got there is that you're not using the car for the majority of the time. So what you have to do is you need to apportion the car's usage based on a personal use and a business use percentage. You can then claim, as long as you're not claiming 45 pence a mile, so you have to be claiming actual expenses. You can then apportion the, the finance payments. Um, but again, where you say finance, is this a higher car, as in like PCP, or is this you've bought a car and you've got finance on the car and you're repaying the finance because it's very different. So if you if you lease the car, you can claim a proportion of the lease based on your business usage as a percentage-wise. If it is a loan of the vehicle, or then you, I see this is very difficult because it mm. goes into limited companies. There's not enough information yeah. in your in your question for me to be able to answer it in full. Um, but in very very basic terms, you can claim a proportion of your car as a sole trader, 
Um, but it is a proportion of the 6% on a diminishing basis if you've bought the car and put the car through the business to start with. But that 6% is a portion based on personal and business usage. So you might only be able to claim 20% of the 6% of the car every year <laughs> as it reduces in value. It's easy. It's easy. It's really easy. Really yeah. Easy. Yeah. And then you wait then until you have to move it to the special rate pool before you can add the thousand. Then you need an asset register. And then an asset register. It's so easy. It's easy. Easy. <laughs> Not mention any names. Easy. <laughs> I'm <laughs> cutting my teeth. Um, say I use a car 80% of the business <laughs> or getting into the car. Right. I tell you what, we will do a car and van, another one next week. I think we only went sort of half into it last we, time. We didn't cover the capital allowance. No, we will cover this next week because it is a massive topic and it's quite difficult and probably definitely will send you to sleep. Um, so we'll we'll give that a go next week. Um, so watch that otherwise. We'll, honestly, we'll be here hours trying to um, explain it. But what I'd like you to do, uh, is it Miriam? Maria? Yeah. Could you email me your question in full? Uh, Lee at uh, thomasandclark.co.uk and I will use your question in the live next week to try and demonstrate how we would claim 80% of that car and then I'll be able to email you back a couple of questions so I have the the scenario ready to be able to explain it in more detail because I think that's key when it comes to cars it's the scenario which is key to how we would be able to claim and what we can claim because it is different for every single person. So we'll try and summarize it and use you as an example for that for that breakdown. Um, Jay's put about well, how will this affect maternity pay with the, the, the NI changes and the budget? Which, which shouldn't affect it. Shouldn't? No, shouldn't. Because the maternity side is protected in law um, and the class two that they've abolished um, they're giving you as a credit anyway. So it, it's the maternity. Remember, if you're an employee, it's based on the average of your workings for the um, in the qualifying period. And again, I don't want to bore people with how this works. Um, but basically, it's 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 ninety percent based on your average earnings for a period of six weeks, with the remaining weeks of maternity paid at the lower of, uh, is it £159 a week or something along those lines? Um, so the the national insurance reductions shouldn't make a difference. However, what it will do is it will push your average earnings up for the employee, certainly if they're on national minimum wage, which means that they will get slightly more maternity for the first six weeks. However, if you're an employer, you can claim that payment back from the HMRC. If you can't afford to pay maternity, you can do it advanced claim of maternity where you can get the full payment up front for the remainder of that tax year to help you pay that employee um, so that it doesn't get offset against your PAYE bill. And again, that's where our payroll department comes in. So if you do need help, our payroll department is there and they can help you with all of this. Fabulous. Right. You need to go. I do. I've got to drive back to Carl. to drive back to Carl. We only see him once, you know once a year when he decides to grace us with his presence. Um, but yes, we've got a few things come up in the pipeline. Um, we will do the car van scenario next Wednesday. Yes, next Wednesday. Um, and yet, as always, any questions, let us know. Thanks for joining in and participating. It's much better when we've got questions. Um, please don't write that it's easy in the group. 
and you will upset her. You'll upset me, honestly, fuming. Um, and yet they're in an accountancy group. <laughs> but it's easy. Get out of the group. Um, but yes, I'm not bitter at all. It doesn't wind me up. Um, yes, any questions, let us know. Again, carry on using the group. It's great that everyone's helping each other. Um, you know, just carry on and let all your friends know that it's here. Like, it's, it's such a great resource. Obviously, we're biased because it's ours, but it is. And, you know, there's not many other accountants that don't any do it um, and, and give this much time and information away for free. So please use it. Um, like I said, we've got some Black Friday deals coming up uh, in the next few days for the utilities calculator and the business course uh, where we're giving discounts on those. And if you want some bookkeeping, we have uh, packages for that as well. So let us know. Uh, we're going to sign off now. If there's anything else that comes up in the budget, um, <laughs> although it is easy to email you for accounts, exactly that bit is easy. Um, getting us is easy, but you do the job not so much. Um, but yes, anything we feel that you need, you need to know, guys. We will put in the group for you and uh, chat about it when we can. But yeah, next week we'll do the car and van scenario. We'll use uh, Maria's uh, example to to help her out, and hopefully we won't send anyone to sleep yet. Yeah, to. But if you do have sleep problems, listen to the podcast. Yeah. And uh, we will catch you guys next week at uh, the normal time, probably of six o'clock. Although I find that half two seems to be quite good. Yeah, it was, it was a quite like a half two session. Yes. Yeah, um, maybe it's because we haven't got wine by six. This is half two. This is yeah. So, well, right. We could start drinking at half two. I'm just saying. We could. Just saying. If you go into Crufts, make sure you come and see us because we will be there, hopefully, unless they don't give us a spot. Which, which would be horrific because we bought the hotel just purchase the hotel if you're looking to buy a, ho buy a hotel buy a room for crufts I would do it now because the prices are extortionate and will probably already go up um, so if you want your hotel uh, would that be an allowable expense yes there you go maybe go for the Hilton <laughs> well maybe not well maybe not because it's expensive um, but yes make sure you come see us at crufts and uh, we will catch you guys next week uh, enjoy and we'll see you later Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed my podcast, don't forget to subscribe for me. And if you want to speak to me, please visit my website at www.petaccountant.co.uk. And if you'd like to join my Facebook group, which is full of like-minded pet professionals, then search Accounting for Pet Professionals in Facebook and I will see you there.